Serendipity. Chance, meetings, something unplanned or even unforeseen that somebody could call fortunate, beneficial, enjoyment, something good that happens through meeting somebody just by chance. But is it really by chance? In any case, this episode emphasizes serendipity as a consequence and even as a foundational element of passion and freedom expressed and experienced through travel. I'll share some stories of how serendipity plays a major function in my own travels and actually punctuates my expressions and experiences of passion and freedom through travel. We'll also hear from John and Osea Medling. I'm sure you remember them from episode number three. They'll be sharing part two of their story of love, passion, and freedom expressed and experienced through travel by talking more about serendipity, about what Osea calls divine encounters. So here we go. There I am standing at the Delta counter in LaGuardia, New York. Missed my flight. Now, I remember being in that taxi, playing it cool, keeping a level head, literally creating the possibility that I will make it on time. I'm just holding on to that. Not getting stressed, not feeling the pressure or frustration, actually not even hoping and wishing to make it on time. I'm just being present that it's a strong possibility. Why not? It didn't happen. I still remained calm, which I loved. I loved being on the outside of myself looking in like, wow, you're really calm about this. I love that. That experience for me was one in experiencing what freedom actually looked like. Freedom from stress, freedom from frustration, from being upset. You know, in this moment, I could feel myself being really clear. I knew that I was going to get to my destination on time. Whatever needed to take place was going to happen. I was clear about that. So I got to the terminal. Turns out it was the wrong terminal. My flight apparently was a shuttle flight that left from a different terminal heading to Boston. I was flying out on Delta. In the end, definitely missed my flight, but no worries, no worries. I got to my gate at the other terminal, and this is my second challenge because turns out I bought my ticket through a third party. So what does that mean? This is what I find out. I stood there with the ticket agent obviously not accepting no for an answer because the ticket agent said, oh, too bad. Now, this is not their words. This is my experience of their words. Too bad. There's nothing we can do about it. You bought that ticket through a third party. You missed the flight. So the implication is that I lost my money and I'd have to buy another ticket or something along those lines. But I just stood there. Wasn't accepting no for an answer. You know, I guess it was my way of showing me not accepting the answer without saying I'm not accepting the answer. Like, I didn't even respond to that. And so I did ask, well, what can we do? And the gentleman stated, well, there's nothing really. We There's nothing we can do about it. You purchased the ticket through a third party. That's There's nothing we can do. So I inquired, well, maybe there's someone who can help. Who might be able to help us figure out what can be done? Maybe a supervisor? So he calls someone over who assists him in doing the looking. And voila, through a gentle and quiet, kind persistence of my stand, just simply by standing there, <laughs> waiting for it to be worked out, <laughs> they rebooked me. Fantastic. I was on my way. 
I'm not sure if that was serendipity, like chance meetings, or was it my creation, or both? I tend to lean in this direction, that we are creators of our serendipity. Something to consider. All right, so back to the story. I boarded the next flight, and I sat in my preferred seating at that time, the exit row. Gentleman comes, sits down next to me. We chat. He shared his background, where he was going, what he's up to. He was heading to Boston to a biotech conference. I was headed there because I was coordinating American Sign Language Interpreting Services for a conference as well. Turns out his conference was about 20,000 plus people strong in attendance. That's how many people descended upon Boston. I was so unaware. So he shared a little bit about his life. He was married with five kids, lived in Israel. During this conversation, I find out why I cannot book any other hotels. These people have taken over the city. But, you know, I, I wasn't pressed. I remember even thinking, oh, I need to find another hotel to book another night. And I was doing that on my phone, trying to do that. But it didn't feel stressful. It didn't feel rushed. I f figured it will work out. Whatever I need to do will occur. So we get to Boston and we keep chatting and head to the taxi stand. Turns out we're going to the same place. We're heading to Copley Place. So he says, hey, do you want to share a cab? Absolutely. Works for me. He's in the West End. I'm in the Marriott. And the hotels bookend this fantastic shopping mall area. So we share a cab and get there, get to the West End. And he says, hey, Antonio, what are you doing for dinner? You should join me for the conference dinner. It's a veritable circus. They have performers, people hanging from the ceilings, all kinds of great stuff. I'd love for you to experience that, and I will get you in. You don't have to ask me twice. Absolutely, I'm down. Fantastic. So I go check in my hotel, get myself situated, and then come back to meet him for dinner. Unfortunately, we find out he looks on the schedule that's posted in the Western lobby for the shuttle that dinner ended. We missed the shuttle. We missed the dinner. And so we ended up going across the street to this great seafood spot and just ate there. Long story short, I let him know that his folks, his biotech people are the reason I can't find another room. We kind of laugh about that. But his reply was, oh, just stay in my room. I've got two beds. I was blown away. Now, remember this happens to me. <laughs> and I'm always blown away at people's kindnesses. And, and I appreciate it. And I appreciate not being jaded or presumptive that it should happen. No, I don't have that. I'm always blown away by that. And so what do I say? I'm like, wow. Okay, thanks. Are you sure? He was like, absolutely. It's, it's good. So he tells me, look, take my key. I'll just go to the desk and get another one. And then that way tomorrow, when you need to just bring your stuff, you can go ahead and do it because tomorrow I'll be at the conference early in the morning and I won't be here. So you'll be able to just leave your stuff, check out and do your conference. Fantastic. That's exactly what I did. So I wake up in the morning, I go get some breakfast. I check out from the Marriott and walk on over to the West End, leave my stuff in his room and go back to the conference and, and work my conference, which was at the Marriott, actually. And so once we're done with my conference, I hang out with folks, we grab dinner, and then I head back to the Westin. And it's late, 
and gather my things, pack and hop into bed. So later on, he comes in and he says, knock, knock, honey, I'm home. <laughs> He's hilarious. And he says, look, I told my colleagues, I let this random guy stay in my hotel room because the hotels were booked. He said, they were like, what? This guy could be robbing you blind right now. And he said, yeah, he could be. He could be. And that's just one story out of the many stories that tend to show up around my life while traveling. Serendipity. So that's just one moment that I have other stories. I remember, here's another one. People find this odd. <laughs> but I love it because this type of serendipity follows me wherever I go. People invite me to their homes. There we were in the car driving from Indiana University to Toronto. I'm going to Canada. We were going to a, a church event, actually. It was a church that we hadn't visited before, and we wanted to go and experience this conference. It was a friend of mine and I, and it was just in that moment we decided we wanted to go. And so my friend, we'll call her Z, and I jumped in my car, and we headed to Toronto. It was a road trip. It was winter time. And it was exciting. We were really looking forward to going. We had a place to stay. It was fantastic. So we got there. We got to the church, actually, and we were about to go inside the conference and ended up meeting two young ladies standing in line. We had a, a wonderful chat with them. That would be our serendipitous experience out of many during that weekend. But one in particular, her name was Ilona, and she was friendly and outgoing and and easily able to talk to and affable and her friend as well. Uh, and uh, so we stood in line as we waited for the conference to begin and uh, we went and sat down. We, we actually lost each other in, in line. My friend and I were together, but we lost our connections. Well, while we were inside when we found our seat, Ilona and her friend ended up coming and they sat next to us, go figure, in this huge edifice, this huge building out of the numbers of seats they could sit, they chose to sit next to us. So as we were waiting for the conference to start, Ilona engaged my friend Z in a conversation and out of the blue asks her, do you have a place to stay? Well, we thought we had a place to stay, but we could not get in touch with the person who was the contact person for where the hotel was. We didn't know <laughs> what they looked like. We didn't have cell phone information. I don't even know if we even had cell phones back then. I'm trying to remember. I don't think so. I didn't own a cell phone. I didn't own a cell phone until what, 1999. I figured I didn't need one. <laughs> and this was 1996. I was in graduate school and my friend was in undergrad. So I was un unclear. I called them before we called trying to connect with them and we were unable to connect with them. I assumed we'd somehow meet them and we'd make it work. If we needed to get a hotel, we'd get a hotel. So there we were still figuring out what we're going to do. Neither of us was quite worried about it. We were pretty, pretty easygoing <laughs> for being in a different country without a place to stay. And it had begun to snow. And there we were, we sat in the conference and Ilona asked Z, do you have a place to stay? And Z looked at me and I said, well, I explained 
we did, we were in agreement and we currently don't have a way to connect with them. We haven't seen them. We haven't heard from them. Before we left, we tried to make contact. We left messages and no one responded. So Ilona said, well, why not stay with me? She invited us to stay at her home. And we looked at each other and said, okay. So at the end of the night, there we were. We hopped in the car in the middle of the, this beautiful snow falling. And we pulled up to this beautiful home. It was magnificent. It was quite stunning in the moment. And we went inside the home. I didn't even want to touch the floors. It was pristine. It was pristine. Such a beautiful, immaculately kept place. And, you know, of course, I complimented Ilona on her home. She fed us. She gave us breakfast and this is, it was an amazing experience to, to, to have that, to be welcomed into someone's home in such a way and from another country. And uh, that was one moment that I'll always cherish and, and actually seek to replicate, invite people to my home and allow people to access my space. And so I've had the, the opportunity to do that in a variety of ways and different settings. And I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. We'll pause here for a brief message brought to you by The Interpreted Life, LLC, committed to creating a world where everyone thrives using life design and intentional living. Maybe you or someone you know is figuring out life's next moves while in the midst of a change that you want to make or that you have to make. We coach people through that process by helping them live better, fuller, more extraordinary lives through sustained moment-by-moment -moment thriving. The Interpreted Life, creating a life you love and living that life with passion. For more information, go to www.theinterpretedlife.com. You can talk, talk about serendipity. Who, who have been people or couples that you might have met along the way that have you've made an impact on or who have made an impact on you? Okay. So let me start by saying that whenever we travel, we always pray for traveling mercies and safety. And we always pray and ask God to really put people in our path that we can meet, we can influence and impact, and they can do the same. And every single trip that we've taken has been exactly that. Every time. Every single time. So I don't believe in, we don't believe in chance meetings. You know, it's not really chance. Those Every one of them has been has been a divine department appointment, and I'll let John share a little bit about some of those experiences. Yeah, just more recently, we went to Blue Ridge, Georgia. That was just about a couple few weeks ago, actually, and we went for a train ride that takes you from uh, Georgia to Tennessee. And we met a couple. They were middle-aged couple. Maybe no, middle no, they were they, retired. They, they retired. Yeah, a little bit more middle-aged. You know, when you get close to that age, you start relating everybody close to your own age. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we met uh, Rudy and Pat on the train. And interestingly, we weren't even planning to sit by them. We already had selected seats, but they were behind us, and we could see them. We just kept making eye contact with them. And for some reason, there was a, a group of people who were trying to sit together. They was sped up because uh, there wasn't enough seats for all of them to sit together as a group. So Osea and I, we decided that we would move and let them sit in our space so that all four of them could sit together. And we went and sat by Pat and, and, and Rudy. And it was amazing. That really made our whole trip that time that we spent with them because we were able to share, you know, uh, our travel experiences and just glean a lot from uh, their wisdom. It was 
just very impactful. And what was inspirational for me is that they're able to share, even though they're retirees, and then just again to see their level of connectedness and their love for life and their love for each other. And they were able to make deposits into our lives in terms of what we could look forward to once we get to that space and that stage in our lives. Yeah, and then there was another situation just uh, just not long ago. We went to uh, Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, we met a young man by the name of Sean. He was, what, what was his position? One of the bed and breakfasts, like the manager or attendees or supervisor, just some type of management position. Okay. Yeah, he would. I connected with this young brother. We connected with him. And he was so attentive to all of our needs. I mean, we didn't really have time to walk with anything because he was checking on us like clockwork. You know, out of all these other people that was at this beautiful place called the Jasmine House, he gave us, he seemed like, he seemed like he gave us preferential, preferential treatment. Well, baby, I think that's part of the reason is because they have not seen a black like, African-American couple in the country. We were the only African-Americans <laughs> in that state. This young man, Sean, you know, just really, really kind of just migrated to us, if you will. And we just uh, became friends. Every morning, we would look for him to just sit down and talk with him. And I'm letting OCA tell you this for her. So what was influential about this is that we were able to make deposits into him just by who we are. And uh, Sean was actually contemplating quitting his job. Right. Quitting his job. And he was very good at what he did. Yeah. So um, every morning, as John said, we would connect with Sean. And while John and... Interestingly, so I'm an extrovert, like on steroids. I'm trying to hold, I'm trying to contain myself right now. But we will meet with Sean every morning. And while John and Sean had that time together, I was actually entertaining the guests that were coming down for breakfast. Like right. people thought I actually worked. Part of the for hospitality. The hospitality for the bed and breakfast. So uh, they were leaving Sean tips, and Sean would say, well, You know, I should give you these tips. I was like, No, I'm in my element. This is just what I do. <laughs> this is like, you go sit back. I got all of this. But it was really something, it, made, it brought an awareness to us to the impact that we make uh, in people's lives just by being who we are. That this young man was going to quit his job. He was probably in his 40s, not, you know. Yeah. And now young, late young, 30s, yeah, late 30s. Early, early it's not 40s. like he was a 20 year old. He was going to quit his job, but it was something that he saw in us or something that we said or the hospitality that we shared that gave him the inspiration and the hope to continue to keep his job. And then afterwards, did he get like a promotion or something? He got, I think he got a promotion. And, we, and I still stay in contact with the show. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Now that's amazing. Uh, absolutely yeah. amazing. And that how you as a couple get to influence people's lives and that that is it's like the gift that keeps on giving your presence has a, a, a continuing effect because john you stay in contact with him i, I imagine that there's still that uh, that ability to pour into his life uh, yeah, if necessary that's that's powerful and that's just only one of many stories everywhere we go we are afforded the opportunity to really make an impact and influence and for people to be receptive of that. How about Cowboy Cabin? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cowboy Cabin yeah. is, he was a young man uh, we met in Nashville. Nashville right. right. And that was pretty good. It's a, we saw some of his work. He's a musician. He's a musician. He's a singer. Country and Western. Country, yeah. And he's African-American. 
but even with him, he was we were coming out of the Dollar Tree. Was in the Dollar, in the Dollar Tree, Dollar Tree. and he kept getting into our conversation. <laughs> yeah, and we ended up standing outside of the, the store for about two hours <laughs> talking to this guy. <laughs> two, two and a half hours talking to him. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits, I think, with, with us when we do travel, we're never in a rush. If it's a rush, then it's not a trip for, for us because we not only do we like to take in the atmosphere, we like to take in the people. And that allows us to have that passion and that freedom to really just just enlighten those around us. And baby, one more, one more, one last one. What about Nick uh, in Carson City? Yeah, you want to talk about Nick? No, you want to talk about Nick. So Nick was a young, was a man, not a young man, but he actually owned the oldest, oldest bar. bar in Nevada. So Carson City is like the oldest city in Nevada. So when the Westerners what were coming in, Bonanza. Right, you're right. So we did all the Bonanza and all of that. But Nick was actually one of the owners who who was an outsider and saw the value in preserving the history. And so in the front part of the bar, they have the bar, the tavern, in the back part of the bar, there's a museum of yeah. all of this history. If you if you don't connect, if we hadn't, we not connected, we would, would have lost all of that. But having that time to spend with, to share our story, to listen to him and his life and his struggles, it was just, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was really beautiful. I felt like he was a brother by the time uh, we left. I mean, I felt that connected to him. He shared very deeply about things that he was going through, he had gone through in his life, and how he got to the point of success that he currently had. So you met Nick in Carson City, but you happened to just hang out at at his tavern. Is that how? Or how did yeah, you? We went well, we went to the tavern, just walking in and out of buildings and just seeing. And we walked into the tavern, and the owner was there, Nick. And then we just went in. You know, he could just. And, and to look at him, you would not know that he was an owner. He just sitting at the he just sitting at the bar, you know, like you know, just like a patron. And and it was after we started beginning to engage in conversations, kind of he said, I let them know who I really am. And they just kind of said, well, you know, I'm actually the owner of this establishment. And you know, and, and that's when you know he began to just really open up. And we probably spent a good what hour and a half just talking to him. I'm sure and then we went to do the museum piece of it and came back and talked to him enough. We spent the whole day there actually. Yeah. yeah, we spent the whole day with in the in the in the tavern with uh, Nick, just talked, took pictures with him, and oh man, it was a blast. <laughs> and and when we say talking, we don't mean oh hey how are you doing. Right. Every conversation, I don't. People just feel just so comfortable that they can just share their like the most intimate personal yes, things about yes. their lives and there's something about us that they know is safe that mm-hmm. we're safe and, and and secure and they probably say well i won't see these people ever again <laughs> anyway but it's it's an intimate conversation it's something that i would have with my one of my best girlfriends or right. john would have with one of his good friends it's just that down to the core mm-hmm. type so we're just really fortunate and blessed that uh, we can attract and people feel comfortable with us enough so that they can that they can share, they can expose themselves. Wow. And we can actually be receptive of that, non-judgmental. And then we can do the same. We can we can ex- we can expose this external layer that that piece of us that makes us vulnerable to where people can now feel like they're trusted or they can be trusted. Yeah, that's interesting. I was just going to say, it sounds like the the sincerity that you have for engaging people and listening 
like being able to to be present for a person's life and whatever they find to be a treasure for themselves. It sounds like you both have the ability to to invite that in and people get that sense that what they say matters to you has importance and 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 it sounds like you also got to share yourselves in a way that's quite open and sincere. And so Absolutely. having that at uh, up front, people respond in kind. That's that's awesome. John, what were you gonna say? I uh, just uh, interestingly, you know, we can meet someone and within I bet you in 10 minutes, then told us about their firstborn, <laughs> then told us about surgeries they've had, divorces, <laughs> just within 10 minutes. I mean, they just just start opening up. You know, it, it, it just never failed to be so. That is so awesome. That. Yeah, and I'm sure they appreciate it because who knows who comes across their path, right? And then what type of impact that you get to have when you leave them. Who do you leave in your wake? And, and yeah. what do you leave in your wake? And it sounds like you, you're leaving some positive, amazing things that maybe we will never know if you don't see them again. Uh, but... Other people will get to experience because you were there. They'll get to experience something good, something right. positive. And it, traveling just opens up the universe. You know, I can stay in Tampa. John can stay here. We can come together. But the impact that we make when we're just out and about and abroad and minding our own business just expands, expands the scope of, of what we're doing yeah. and what we think we're really called to do for. We think that really that's our ministry in marriage. What would you say that would be? Your ministry of marriage would be? I mean, my view of our ministry of marriage is to make that impact in people's lives. And, and, and to, first of all, to let people know that you can have a successful second marriage. You know, life doesn't end after the first one. That's right. And then secondly, that when others see us and we see others, that we can be an inspiration of hope to them. And I... I don't know if you have something different, baby, or not. No, I think that's good. I think that's well said. You know, I, I think we're, you know, we we've been placed together to make an impact and to make a powerful impact and changes uh, in people's lives. Yeah, I think who you are, you know, the person actually can become your ministry. You know, and I think who we are, the couple, the energy and the synergy that we have, is is the makeup of our ministry. Right. So I have to be very aware that sometimes my overbearing, bigger than life um, <laughs> personality, you know, maybe I draw them in, I, I catch the fish. And then John, who's a very, a lot more laid back and introspective, he does more the ministry. So he, he, he puts it on shore, you know, but I think that it's, it's a good dynamic between the, both of us. You've been listening to Freedom Now Travel, Express Yourself. You got a chance to hear how even I have this hidden superpower. It's hidden for me <laughs> that people tend to invite me to stay at their place. People I've never met before. It's an awesome superpower to have uh, since I travel as much as I travel. <laughs> and you got a chance to hear from our beloved couple, John and Osea Medling and how they leave people's lives better more intact, as if their superpower is simply making people's lives better than it was just because they came in contact with John and Osea. This is the power of the type of serendipity that happens through passion and freedom being expressed and experienced through travel. 
stay on the lookout for upcoming weeks where we'll hear from Jen Olson. We'll hear from Tamara Henderson and many more people whose lives are big and expanded simply because they too experience and express freedom and passion through travel. Be sure to subscribe, find us on anchor.fm or on Spotify and share all this goodness and inspiration with someone you love. I look forward to the next time. Ciao.